Hello and welcome to the RylaCast, the official podcast of Camp Ryla, Rotary District 5810. I'm your host, Greg Tepper. Also the host, we go live to his house on tape. That doesn't make any sense. But let's go to the man they called Josie, Andrew Utz. Well, thank you, Greg. Hello, Greg. Thank this you. Is, thank you. Hello. This, uh, this is definitely a podcast that I remembered to 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 log in to record. Uh, let the record show that I definitely remembered. And there's nothing. There's no one. There's no one. As I'm staring into my my webcam, there's nobody's going to dispute that, right, Josie? No one. No one is going to dispute that. No, I'm still stuck over here, wondering. You know, because you said live and on tape, and to pull you know pull the curtain back, we've we've shifted mediums so now we can see each other's live reaction and i could see the wheels spinning of like live on tape that's kind of contradictory but mm -hmm. is it because this has got to be taped somewhere it's, it's recorded <laughs> it's recorded live which is like a thing like it's recorded in front of like a live studio audience although there's not a yes, live we're yes. we're each other's live studio audience which <laughs> Which feels very feels very intimate. Uh, speaking of very intimate, I don't mean that. Speaking of very intimate, um, so Josie, we, you mentioned that we've we've now have the ability to see one another as we're recording this because normally mm -hmm. it had just been an audio only medium. Um, but we, I feel like you and I really reached a new level of like. Uh, intimacy in our friendship in the sense that mm -hmm. your background, you did the thing where it was like blurring the background. And yes, I'm, I more or less challenge you to turn off the blur because now, and, and now it's like the reason you were doing it was you thought that your, your office was messy. Is that right? Mm -hmm. That that's correct. There's a, it's a, it's a wide angle view of this camera. I, I, maybe I'm just a slob man because I just don't I'm I because I'm like that just looks like an office that's like a normal normal human office what are you talking about that's I mean I think it's a normal human office um some you're a normal human and, and you have a you have an office so and that's what it looks like um yeah. I yes, like well, and then you. I gave you the I gave you the 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 nickel tour of my office which is um much more slovenly than yours i have a whiteboard here that has things that have been written up there for and not like not like long-term reminders like things that were actively needing to be remind remembered uh three months ago so it's going it, good so, in my office too it, it worked i like that whiteboard a lot that's a, uh -huh. that's a like that's a good looking whiteboard thank your board i should say um, this is the RylaCast, the official podcast of Camp Ryla, Rotary District 5810. We do thank you for spending a little bit of your day with us. Coming up here in just a little bit, uh, I, me, because Josie was off uh, playing with the choo-choos, um, I conducted an interview, uh, a big-time interview, with Jason Jaggard. Jason Jaggard is a uh, the founder Whoa. and CEO. Yeah, founder and CEO of Nova I Global. I totally knew you didn't know this? about this interview. No. <laughs> we're we are we are really good at this podcast planning thing yeah i did an interview with jason jaggard and uh return rylacast guest becca egger um so it's a twofer uh and if you uh if, if you are unfamiliar with jason jaggard he is the uh the the founder and ceo of um of novus global executive coaching firm and he's the author of the new book beyond high performance what great coaches know about how the best get better we had a great conversation about that and at the end i invited him to camp tune in to see what he says okay i like that tease that is what we in the business call a vertical tease but now josie let's get into the heart of the rylacast and i sure hope you've got something because I believe it was your turn to do the segment. <laughs> Again, we're real organized here, and I definitely remembered that we were doing this tonight. Uh, and here, with the first segment, take it away, Josie. <laughs> well, th thank you, Greg. And this is this might blow everyone's mind, but um, as I was preparing for the big segment, as I, I figured it was my turn, I was looking for articles um, to talk about, and I was searching... Um, like what if you don't want to be a leader? Cause I think that's a, a concept that's, oh. um, kind of like 
being in in the world of like now and and everything is at your fingertips and people are advancing through their careers maybe people just want to work and be really good at their job and not be leaders and managers that that is um, interesting because if you think about it in pretty much every corporate world like in order to move up you have to be in charge of people right like there's no there's, exactly. there's almost nowhere that you can you can move up like independent and just be like oh you just get to continue to work by yourself exactly um so so in this search before we get into that i i came across a, a article from um a coaching business that will not be named and i thought to myself you know what if i'm going to get an article um, written by someone from a coaching business, I think it should be from Novus Global. This is, I am not kidding you. I did not Are know you who kidding me, guest dude? was. I am not kidding you. No, and I, so Josie really did not know who the guest was. Like, none of this is planned. I got to be honest, because we don't tell each other what the segments are going to be. And uh, I found a tangentially related article by none other than Jason Jaggard. Have you heard of him? This is a, this is a shocking development. Yeah, I have heard of him. Spoke to him recently, actually. <laughs> and uh, it's an article from May 2022 um, that that says, "Are you coachable?" The answer might surprise you. So now, now that I'm the shock is wearing off about how our minds are intertwined from being many miles apart from each other, um, but we're we're one at the Riley mm -hmm. Cast here. Sure. Um, and so the, uh, my, my thought modified of, you know, maybe, maybe I need to be more positive and not like, what if you don't want to be a leader? Um, and that turned out to you know, my natural progression was, okay, are you coachable? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and Jason's article, I'll, now I'm a lot more nervous about paraphrasing Jason's article since he's our guest. Oh, because and we'll by the way, by the way, I'm just, let me just make you even more nervous. He's definitely going to listen to this, too. Hey, Jason. One hundred percent. Hello, Jason. Uh, you'll find out why I wasn't present for the interview here. Uh, <laughs> um, and and the article, you know, I, I highly recommend everybody go to read it at uh, Novus Global. Are you coachable? Um, very easily searched, uh, and and that'll get you there. Um, there were there's a the article talks about a, a one of Jason's favorite coaching stories about a man named Bill Campbell who is often called the trillion dollar coach because he coached people such as Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, Eric Schmidt, um, who famously said everyone needs a coach. And, the, and Bill sat down with a young entrepreneur and asked him, um, do you think you're coachable? And that young entrepreneur replied, that depends on who the coach is, which is the wrong answer to that question. Uh, but the article goes on to basically say, uh, you know, ask for the, describe the type of person um, that they think is, is coachable and it's a scale of one to 10 and, and where you should fit on that scale in terms of, um, you know, wanting to be, to be coached. And I think that relates to the people that don't in corporate America, I should say that don't want to be managers of people. It's a fine line, right? Because you have mm -hmm. these high performers um, that I think there's, you know, high performers coaching model. Um, there's a big parallel there, but I think there's a ceiling for some of these people that, you know, I'm, I want to be, I'm good at my job. I want to be recognized for what I do. And that reward to me is not great. Manage a team of people. Yeah. Th and that, I don't know. I don't know that that doesn't make somebody driven or that doesn't make somebody ambitious. I think that that just, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm being too kind to those types of people. But like, I feel like there is a certain, like if your brain is, is wired in a certain way that you can find what you're, find the lot in life that you're happy with. And that doesn't involve managing people. I don't think that's necessarily like a character flaw. I don't think there's, I don't think there's necessarily nope. anything wrong with that. No, no, I, I totally agree. Sorry if that, if I was painting. No, no, no. I was, picture. I was only, I think I was reaffirming your point. Okay. Yes. No. Yeah. I agree that, um, 
you know, I, I, I see that in, in the work that I do and it's been more prevalent, I think over the past couple of years. And I don't, I don't know why I did a, a quick search to see if someone had done the studies, you know, nine out of 10 people want to be managers and whatnot, but couldn't find anything. Um, but yeah, I don't think that makes anybody any less driven. I think that type of person is probably incredibly focused on, on what they want, you know, to get out of life and, and what drives them on a day-to-day basis, uh, which is admirable, I think. And also goes to show that there's, you know, if whatever you want to do, there's a, there's a market for it, whether you want to be that manager of people, um, or if you're looking for a job and, and don't want to be the manager of people, there's, there's a need for both, both kinds. So this is a quick Google search. And this is from Fast okay. Company. Fast Company, an article written in January 2022. According to a career builder survey of over 3,600 workers, that should be more than 3,600 workers, but uh, most most people don't want to be managers. Of the subset who are interested in rising to management, they make up only over slightly over one-third of organizations, 34%. So that means, okay, I'm doing some math, but 66% of people, two thirds of them don't want to be managers. Um, So like, I I don't know. And that's not to say that like, that's good or that's bad. I don't think this is a value judgment on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think um, probably the people listening to this podcast for the most part would fall more into 34% than the 66%. My guess, uh, but that's not always I the case. Would. Sometimes, sometimes I think I think circumstances matter, and I think context matters, and I think there are certain circumstances in which we do want to be leaders, and certain circumstances where we do want to take a back seat. And I don't think that's necessary. I think it doesn't have to be this binary thing of you all either always are or you always aren't. Right. No, that, that's a good point. Um, and and I think another way to look at that would be if you are listening to the, this podcast and you're either a manager having trouble managing or you're being managed, having issues with your manager, maybe you should ask yourself that question. Does that person in a managerial role want to be there? Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe that influences their decision. Um, and maybe, yeah, I don't know if that has, has an effect on it, but just trying to, to come up with a different way of, of looking at things. That is interesting because I do think that when I started kind of rising in in my current employer, um, when I started rising and I got to be like in charge of people, I think I was kind of hesitant to do it. Um, not mm. because I didn't think I could do it, but just because I I don't I didn't know if that was like my role and that was like where I wanted to be. There's probably some deep psychological things that go on with that as well. Um, but I do think that that is also a role that you can grow into. I certainly know that feel like I've grown into that role now. Like I've been doing it for too long now, but it's, it's, that's real. That is, that is really interesting about, about being coachable. I do think though, I would say that regardless of whether or not you want to be in a management role or a leadership role, I do think that, that everyone, uh, can be, and if I may make a value judgment should be coachable. I think coachability is a positive, a net positive attribute that, that we should aspire to. Yes, I, I agree. And that I think in the biz is what we like to call a segue. Oh, so now we're going to no, did, did I end, prema- did I, did I yeah. end prematurely? I don't no, know that was setting it. it up. That was setting no. it up real nice. No, man, you, 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 you hit the, you, you hit it out of the park. Um, uh, so that was an article, great article by Jason Jaggard. Why don't we hear from him himself? Uh, we uh, were so lucky to have an interview with Jason Jaggard. He is an executive coach, the founder and CEO of Novus Global Executive Coaching Firm and the author of Beyond High Performance, What Great Coaches Know About How the Best Get Better, and our friend Becca Egger. We hear from both of them coming up next here on The Rallycast. Cast. 
We're back here on the RylaCast, and we are pleased to bring in a very special guest. We are joined live on tape from New York, uh, Jason Jagger. Jason Jagger is an executive coach, the founder and CEO of Novus Global Executive Coaching Firm, and the author of Beyond High Performance, What Great Coaches Know and How the Best Get Better. Jason, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me on the show. Us on the show. Thanks for having us on the show. Yes, because there is an us. That is a plural. Uh, plural, because we are also joined by some a voice that that people who listen to this podcast may know. Uh, it is our friend, Becca Egger. Hi, Becca. Hey, Greg. How you doing? I'm great. You don't mean that, though, because we just talk all the time. You know how I'm doing. <laughs> I'm glad um, to know, though, for sure. <laughs> Jason, um, I... I, I do. I feel like people who are as, as accomplished as you are and, and, and kind of as high profile as you are, um, uh, it can sometimes be intimidating. So let me just bring you down to ground zero here. How would you say you got here? Like on, on this podcast? Or... Uh, I mean, yeah, or, or just just here spiritually. This is the summit of my whole career. This moment. <laughs> when you said it's intimidating, I was like, yeah, it is intimidating because like, I'm intimidated to be here. You are tour de force. So how how would you say what what was the journey that brought you to the let's just say the place you are in your life doing what you're doing right now? Well, you know, I um so we have a podcast and we got to interview Ed Catmull uh, a few months ago. He's the co-founder of Pixar, and I, it, he was fascinating. And he was talking about how his life works in stages, you know, like ten year stages. So the first ten years was him figuring out the technology, him and his friends, to make the first animated film ever, and then the next ten years was doing a few of those like Bugs Life and and Toy Story and Finding Nemo. And then the next 10 years after that was, can you create a culture that can do that rather than just you know a couple people? And I would say a lot of our careers are that way. My guess is Becca's career is that way. Uh, my career is that way. And so uh, the first 10 years of my career, I was actually a pastor in Los Angeles. That's it, amazing community called Mosaic. We met in a nightclub. It was awesome. We met in one of the hottest Latino nightclubs in downtown Los Angeles. Loved it. And then, uh, then I transitioned off the staff then 10 years ago to get into coaching and loved that, loved doing the coaching thing, but also coaching can be a little solitary. Executive coaching can be solitary. Sport coaching, I feel like is, you know, you got a head coach, assistant coach, and a whole team of coaches, uh, but executive coaching can be really uh, lonely. And so pretty quickly discovered that we could probably accomplish more with more people together as a team. And so started a firm about 10 years ago. And so now, now I spend most of my time, I don't have, I only have a few clients. Now I spend most of my time as a CEO working with amazing, amazing coaches like Becca, who's uh is part of our team and then she's incredible. And so we, we like bringing more people into the fold and helping them fall in love with this thing that we do. What a segue. I'm glad you got the script. Um, uh, cause, cause Becca, uh, that, that, that brings me to you. Um, I think people know you from the, the, the Ryla program. People know you from camp. Uh, but, but, um, let me just ask you what you're doing here. What if they don't know me? Um, mm. that's probably fair, but no, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so Ryla wise, right. Just like a little bit of context that I went to camp in 2004. Right. And so then have been, um, uh, like no one succeeded in getting me kicked out since then. And so been, <laughs> been, been committed to the process ever since. So that's been a, I don't know, a couple dec decades almost at this point. So then, that that little fire in me and this hunger and this like what does it look like if this one week of camp isn't just one week at camp right what what if and we do a lot of leadership and we do all this stuff that's transformative and i and it's absolutely just part of the story of my life and a few years ago it's like well what if what if this isn't isolated to just this one magical place like what if it's mm. even what if it's not magic what if it's more science? What if it's relationships? What if this is something that could play out and I could help other people even, um, you know, like almost input it into their own lives. And so roundabout, there's more to the story. I would love to go offline with anybody who's into the nitty gritty details, but found Novus Global through a really trusted friend and found so many, honestly found so many similarities and so many through lines where I was like, this is trustworthy because it lines up with this experience I've been having for two decades and that I've tested it and I know it's true and I know it works. And so sweet. Here's now, here's a team of people who are, who are like putting this on in a different way. I want to be a part of it. Hmm. Uh, you know, Jason at, at Novus Global, uh, you know, you've trained dozens and dozens of people to go out and and coach 
uh, not just people, but like very high achieving people, people who are like stars, uh, you yeah. know, in, in, in their field. And and I know that you can't train us in 10 minutes, but um, if you can, like, go for it. But yeah. uh, could you tell us just maybe kind of a, a top level view, like the, the, the core values that you kind of insist is maybe too strong of a word, but that, that are extremely important when you are, you know, coaching these uh, coaching these coaches uh, to go out there and do their thing? Yeah, well, like like most coaches who might be listening to this in, in football land, know you you coach who you are, and so I think that's the biggest thing. I'll walk through some of the values we have, but the, the biggest thing is for people to internalize those values, and the more powerfully you internalize your values, the more uh, powerfully you're going to transfer those to other people. You know, so I remember like the coaches I had growing up. In fact, my dad was a, a high school uh, a bas- football coach, basketball coach. Uh, he umped baseball and um, soccer, coached soccer for a long time. He actually started women's soccer in the tri-state area where I grew up. And so um, I grew up in like in a coach's family. And I know even now I'll meet people who come up to my dad and they're like, man, you coached me, changed my life. And it wasn't necessarily anything he did, although he did things, but it was really who he was. And so in that sense, we, we create these values in our institute that help a person become a certain kind of person. And then they begin transferring that. We have, we have t- tips and tactics, but the we use an acronym called Go Live. And it's what's really important to us. And actually the book uh, that you mentioned earlier walks through, the part two of the book walks through each of those um, letters and the acronyms that they represent. And so the G stands for growth and just, you know, whether it's Carol Dweck's growth mindset or just having people become obsessed with the idea of growth and growing. The O stands for ownership, which is just a way of, of you know, we, we have a saying, radical responsibility beats blame. You know, whether you're uh, on the field or in the classroom or in leadership, you know, no matter, no matter how old you are, we all have a, a, a tendency to want to blame people and your life begins to move forward the second you stop with the blame. Uh, the L stands for love, which might sound a little weird because uh, when we talk about love in the boardroom, that can be like, <laughs> sounds scandalous. Uh, but we, what we, we define love as a, a fierce advocacy. And I think most coaches that I've had in my life definitely embodied that where they, when they, when my coaches looked at me when I was younger, uh, they didn't see me for who I was. They saw me for who I could be. And they, and even in ways that were uncomfortable and annoying, and uh, ways I wanted to get mad at them for, they saw the best in me and called that out and called me forward. The uh, V, I believe that's where we are. No, the, uh, whatever, I'm going out of order. The V is, <laughs> the V is vision, uh, which, and we have sayings like, um, vision is a future, a picture of the future of what could be and should be. And so most people create their future from their past, but we invite people to create their present from their future. And so it's a different tool there. And then I believe the last, oh, there's two more than the E is energy. And uh, we say, uh, uh, tend to the fire, bring the heat and have fun. And so everyone has to take responsibility for their own energy and expanding that energy. And the last one is integrity. And we don't mean integrity like morality. We mean integrity like doing what you say you're going to do when you're going to do it. And so if you can create cultures, if you can become the kind of person who does what they say they're going to do, who brings the energy, who's a fierce advocate, who uh, deeply takes responsibility for their own lives, is obsessed with growth and has a vision of the future, that's a really powerful cocktail to begin investing in other people through the art of coaching. I got to tell you that that you know and this is a personal note, but in talking with Becca, I'm I'm just like, how did how did Becca's words get in your in your head? That's that's strange. I know it's almost certainly the other way around, but it's vice versa. Well, yeah, I, I was going to say we we learn from everybody, and Becca is a fantastic person to learn from. And you know, as she when she was in our institute, you know, she was fantastic. And people really, um, there's certain people that come into the program who instantly begin having a positive impact on others and even start leading in ways, uh, whether it's, there's all sorts of ways in our firm where people can start leading. And Becca was really leading and having an impact in our firm before we ever even invited her to join the firm. And so it's been really, it's an honor to have uh, her on this podcast with me and also just to have her in our world. Yeah, she is pretty cool. I'll agree with that. Um, okay. Uh, Jason, I do want to ask you, cause you know, in the, in the, in the Ryla program, you know, we work with high achieving teens and, and young adults. These guys are, these are winners. These are stars. Yeah. And one of the things we hear so much, and I feel like we spend a lot of time as staff working with and working towards and working through is dealing with anxiety and dealing mm-hmm. with pressure and dealing with all of those things that mount on you when you are an achiever and the people around you know you're an achiever. And so yeah. I'm interested from your perspective and your unique position, what kind of message you would have for those young men and women. We have our own messages, but but what, what yours would be. Yeah, that's interesting. And I'll, I'll kick it to Beck. I'll give a short answer. And I'm curious what, what she would say, especially because she's in the trenches more with folks that age, I think. Um, m- 
one is to say that there's one of the reasons why you're anxious this to talk directly to you if you're listening to this one of the reasons why you're anxious is because it's a, it's performance enhancing uh worry actually increases performance and that's why you do it and it usually works the problem with that is there's massive costs to that you know so uh, there's lots of ways to have high energy you can drink red bull you can you know i suppose do drugs or whatever and those are all like really bad options <laughs> um so anxiety is like anxiety is like that it is a performance enhancing drug, but it's not sustainable. It has massive costs to it. So the question becomes, how can I increase my performance uh, without using anxiety? And the reality is peace is also a performance enhancing drug, uh, but we don't believe that it is. And so part of this is like an act of faith. If you're listening to this, it's, it's an act of faith to believe that you can actually increase your performance the more you have a value for peace. And we, in the book, we make a distinction between contentment and complacency. Some people think that people who are at peace are complacent and therefore they don't want to win. And the, it's actually the opposite is true. You, you, you want to be content, which is I'm okay right now, whether I win or not. And so now let's go win. And it's really learning how to be okay, regardless of the outcome, and then fight like hell to get that outcome. Becca, what would you, do you have anything to add to that? Or would you even go in a different direction? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I was thinking of one thing when you started talking, got really caught up in what you were saying. So I'm just like, really, I believe it. And I'm, I'm absolutely, I would say yes. And in my experience with teenagers, uh, any, anything that doesn't come naturally is something we almost like, uh, resist. Mm. And so anxiety comes naturally. Mm. So I'm going to embrace it and, uh, maybe even amplify it. Mm-hmm. Uh, intentionally or unintentionally. And so just throwing out this idea, not only to teenagers, but you know, the rest of us too, we are all new humans at the age we are in the experience, right? Like, mm-hmm. I've never been this age with this age children and this experience in my life, right? Yeah. We're all new. Yeah. And so what, what does it look like to actively choose something that doesn't, maybe doesn't come naturally? Like if peace isn't coming naturally, what does it look like to even just notice, Hey, like, here's something that I can have for free. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's this anxiety or whatever it, however, is coming at a huge cost. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like to actively choose something else? And what are, what's the process look like to actively choose something else? Because it's not going to come naturally engaging with the process, knowing that it's going to take time. Um, and then, but then seeing the payoff and seeing that cost drop and seeing the payoff rise. Yeah. And my guess is uh, great not to, to talk too much about this. One is to say, I'm an incredibly anxious person. Mm. I've been pretty neurotic my whole life. I used to, you know, I do public speaking in some ways for a living now as I'm more forward facing as I go out and represent the firm. And I used to have panic attacks. So there was one time, maybe 10, 12, 13 years ago where I had to cancel a speaking gig because I was, I was, um, you know, I was going to pass out and all that kind of stuff. And so I get that journey of anxiety. And in some ways I feel I'm still on that journey. And I, and I guess the one thing to say is, hey, look, the, the, the trick isn't necessarily to get the anxiety to go away. And the anxiety doesn't have to go away for you to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you can have an okay life and still be pretty neurotic. I, I, I like my life and I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 right, I'm pretty neurotic. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, and I think that's one of the ways finding peace with your anxiety, I think is maybe a good place to start and say, you don't have to make it go away. Uh, but there are tools to help uh, refine it. And I just got back from speaking in front of hundreds of people in Vegas yesterday. And it was, it's a relief to know after years of practice, I got up and I wasn't nervous at all. And I had a blast and to have the freedom to create from a place of confidence versus a place of anxiety is something that I've worked on. And if I can do it, <laughs> certainly the people uh, in your environment can do it too. It's so interesting. And I'll share a quick story. We were, when we were at yeah. camp this past year, I, I gave a, a, a an address at one point of speech and, and, you know, a, your guy speaks in, in public, you, you script it out, you plan out what you're going to say. You never really know how the, how they're going to react. You, you got to be a little nimble. That's right. And, and one thing that surprised me was I was talking through and I was saying, you know, let's talk about what everyone in this room has in common. And I just brought up the example. I said, you guys are the people that when you have a group project at school, you're the one who's doing most of the work. <laughs> and that was like an applause line. Oh, that's great. Like, like out of they nowhere, flipped. I'm like, oh, wow. They were like, I am seen. Did I hit a bingo? <laughs> you know, it was it was so strange. But I think that does speak to these, you know, the, the expectations they put on themselves. I think in many mm-hmm. respects, the, the these expectations that we have from the outside, these external expectations that we feel. And yeah. I know that's something 
you know, I think you're gonna spoiler alert to anybody who's who's younger, you're gonna deal with the rest of your life. That's but right. there mm-hmm. are there are tools and there's 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 ways to to deal with that to to that they can manifest themselves in a positive way. That's right. And it is, I think there's a, I, I would always say there, there, I have some gifted people in my family. I am not gifted, but I have gifted people in my family who have really loved your camp when they were younger, I think. And um, yeah, I, I call it the curse of the gifted. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it, everyone wishes they were gifted, but then when you are, when you have that special touch where everyone looks to you in those moments that there's, it, there's a, a, a burden that comes to that. And I want to tell again, if you're listening to this, the object of the game is not to get the burden to go away. The, for my opinion, the object of the game is to learn how to wear the burden well. Mm-hmm. And um, man, I'm glad that people look to you when, in those moments. I know it's a pain. I know it's a pain. I know it's frustrating or whatever. But um, if you lean into it and learn to see it as a really beautiful thing, then you can l- learn to steward it and make it a gift to other people. Uh, and I, know you, you, I believe in you. You can do it. Uh, I might Becca, push back a little bit oh, a little yeah, bit of that angle because I think that you do a really neat, humble thing where sometimes you count yourself out of excellence. And I wonder if, I think that that's probably really useful in a lot of situations. And in this situation, I want to say though, like we come to camp and there, there are kids who like, they've been selected as leaders, right? They had to interview, they had to come. And then there are kids who are counting themselves out though. They're like, hmm. this is this, I conned someone into getting here or like, I got to come because my older sister came years ago or whatever it is. I'm not special. And one of my favorite, and I I would love to hear you speak to this. Um, one of my favorite things is that like, I think generally speaking, we all come to this realization of like, but do you want to be, because you're a human and you have the capacity to be like extraordinarily more than you think you could be. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what do you want me to speak to? Because I think you just said a nice little thing there. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Cross, so back at you. Do you receive it? <laughs> Cross dish down a throw pillow. Um, well, okay. Uh, Becca, you know, you, you, uh, Ryla for you came before Novus Global, but uh, like you mentioned a little bit about that path. Now that you are kind of immersed in both of them um, mm-hmm. and and the work you do as an executive coach, I'm interested in the, kind of the connections you see, uh, the work we do with the program throughout the course of the year, as well as the work you do and, and the work you, you do with, with Novus Global. Yeah. Okay. So love is fierce advocacy, right? That's one of my mm-hmm. favorites. Um, there's fo- like that. I, I don't, if I got a dime for every time I said that at camp this year, I could have gone to the snack hut that doesn't exist. But <laughs> so, so here's, here's me showing up in what, one of the ways that I would love to show up in love for our community, mm-hmm. um, our Riley community. I, I think that we can as humans have a tendency to have a transformational experience, like going to a summer camp or, I mean, name any other thing, right? Like the, you know, the ball mm-hmm. game that you win at the buzzer or like when mm-hmm. your child is born or whatever it is, this transformational experience and then almost walk away from it and and put glass over it and be like, look, I'm going to come back and visit this museum. This mm-hmm. is this was special and I, I want to keep it safe and I wanna keep it holy. And um, this is a thing that maybe I could come get some energy from. I'd come and look at it and get inspired, whatever. And especially something like we do like a summer camp and we have other programming too, right? That we do throughout the year. But our our big thing is this camp that we put on. We can, I think that we can, not always, but I can have the tendency to, to put it as this museum piece. That it's like when I was 17, this changed my life. And so I get to come back and look at it every year and like get a hit off Mm. of it almost like that drug um i'm really mixing my metaphors here this is a psychedelic museum (laughs) museum um, wow mm, (laughs) um it's so i i I was talking to 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 josie after camp and i was like i wonder where we're always like i mean here's also our thing as rylarians right we're always like here's 78 ways to level up um (laughs) but here's one of them is i was like do we have a charge like that where we're saying like where's the call to action saying like and now what how is this transformational experience going to be something that like we it's not a museum article behind a piece of glass this is like this is something that i'm going to wear out i'm going to wear holes in i am going to sweat through it and i'm going to make this transformational experience become this jumping off point or this jet fuel or whatever it is so that whenever i come back again next year i'm i am not the same person 
because I've worn it out in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, so all that to say in our, in our work in Novus, that's, that's what we're doing daily is whenever mm-hmm. we're working with our clients um, as coaches are saying like, and now what? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you like? How are you going to how are we continuing to grow? How are we continuing to stretch and like sweat through these experiences that we've had? And so um, bringing these two together makes a lot of sense for me. But also I'm like, I want to bring this together in front of our Riley community and say, what and now what? How, mm-hmm. how How is Becca living her life daily different because of this experience? How is Greg living his life daily because of this experience? And like literally what, prove it. Where's the data? Where's the growth? What's happening because of this? Yeah, we, sometimes I I would say when I'd speak in the past, I'd say, how do you take things that are a uh, glimpse of life and make it a lifestyle? And mm-hmm. if if your camp is anything like the ones I grew up in, I'm sure actually yours is a lot better. But I I was profoundly as as you know nominal maybe as my camp experiences were. They changed my life. Mm-hmm. My camp experiences changed my life. And, and so it was, it was a glimpse of life. You know, it was like this, this high octane concentrate moment. And then Becca, to your point, how do you then create the habits that make it a lot, that take it from a glimpse of life to a lifestyle? Jason, you, uh, you recently put out the book, uh, uh, beyond high performance, what great coaches know and how the best get better. Uh, so you're an author. Congratulations on the book. I know that's why. Not, thank you. That's that's not easy. I'm a writer. That stinks. Uh, oh, the man, it's process a lift, can stink it? sometimes. Uh, best-selling yeah. author. Best-selling author. Well, there you go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It depends on when we we'll find out. I don't know when you're going to drop this, but we'll find out if we are Wall Street Journal or in USA Today best-selling books uh, a book next week. So we'll we'll, we'll we'll keep you posted. Uh, I will I will edit it to make sure that no matter it's updated, but uh, don't worry. I'm just going to say best selling because it's easier. Best selling author yeah, uh, beyond how, uh, here's a here's a vague question, purposefully vague. Why this book and why now? Oh man, well there's there's so many things that we packed into the book that I'm that I personally really really care about, and also you know because I know you write as well. There's I, I heard maybe it was Malcolm Gladwell, somebody like who's written you know multiple New York Times bestsellers said. Uh, it takes like a year or two to figure out what your book is about after it comes out. <laughs> that was really interesting. Yeah, I can, I can, no, I you, can feel that right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Because you, yeah, exactly. You, you put all this work and energy into it, and then, and in some ways, because you don't really get to decide what it's about. Like uh, in some ways, the readers get to decide what it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and you have no idea how it's going to live. And it's, it's like a piece of art, you know, like this weekend, Barbie and Oppenheimer are coming out, and the whole world's going to decide what those movies are about after Greta and and Chris, you know, put all that energy into making them. So mm-hmm. um, the reason why I mentioned that is. I'm discovering the more I get out of away from the book, the uh, that the things that I'm really that I really care about is how do you become an extraordinary person in the context of community, and so those two things. I love teams. Probably two of the things I love more than anything is the pursuing greatness, pursuing having a positive, world changing impact in the world. You know, I used to be a professor at Pepperdine University and we're working with these amazing, bright, you know, come from affluent homes, uh, just incredible kids in Pepperdine at a, a, in Malibu, California, and just wanting, just seeing them for who they are, seeing all their talent, seeing all their capabilities and wanting to do everything I can to help them explore that. And then also my whole life I've been raised in, in you know, whether it's faith communities or really fantastic schools or, you know, playing sports or whatever. And realizing that you cannot become an extraordinary person on your own. It, the, the, the road to the extraordinary has to be uh, traveled with others. And so how, so we, we wrote this book to inspire people. If you, you know, if you're a young person listening to this, oh man, like if you can get, if you can get hooked on the drug of wanting to do something really meaningful with your life. And if you can get hooked on the, the parallel drug of, and don't you dare do it by yourself, like just get as many people as you can to go with you then I will consider uh, the book a, a really great success. And everything else is window dressing. Everything else, you know, is a bonus. Uh, one last question for Jason Jaggard of, of Novus Global. And I want to be very clear before I get going that uh, I am not authorized for this. So this is, uh, this is, this What's is, um, happen? Yeah. Oh, this is great. I'm not authorized to, 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 to do this. However, I'll just ask you on a public record, do you want to come to camp next year? Like we've got oh, cabins. Man. Do you want to, I mean, it's, it's, 
I feel like saying it's hot and sweaty in the middle of in, in Memorial stop. Day weekend. Just ask okay, him. Sorry. Yeah. 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 You want to come to camp next year? Hard stop. I love camp. Let's talk. Let's see what we can do. I would love. And here's the thing. So, Greg, I would love to come. And uh, can I bring some friends? And then we could just we could just really do what we sure. can to to love and to serve this, these amazing people that you've recruited to be a part of your experience. Again, can't stress enough. Not yes. authorized to, to, Becca to, says to, yes. To make it. Okay, Becca. Okay, well, Becca is more powerful than I am. And then I the, said yes. So uh, that's that's two yeses. Uh, he's Jason Jaggard. He is with Novus Global and the author of Beyond High Performance: What Great Coaches Know and How the Best Get Better. And our friend Becca Egger. Guys, thank you so much yeah, for Becca. spending some time with us. Yeah. Hey, Greg. Thanks, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to meet you. And I love your radio voice. It's so good. There he is, Jason Jaggard. Find his book uh, on all the platforms. Amazon is where I found it. Beyond High Performance, What Great Coaches Know About How the Best Get Better. That is a smart fella uh, and a smart uh, a, a smart lady fella as well in, in Becca Egger, who uh, who joined us there as uh, as well to kind of give us some Ryla context. Uh, I know she's been working with Novus Global for for some time now and, and uh, an inspiring guy there, uh, Jason Jaggard, smart guy. And, and I would implore you to go check out the rest of his stuff. I, in preparation for that interview, I watched like, uh, an, probably like an embarrassing amount of Jason Jaggard on YouTube. Um, so, uh, I would encourage you to go do the same, go, go watch a lot of his stuff on YouTube. And now it's time for, we're going to bring this thing home. I think it's my turn, right? I take this final segment. It, it was, I, 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 I was thinking you know, uh-huh. does Greg watch an embarrassing amount of YouTube outside of preparing for the Rylacast? But I didn't voice that Ooh. question. What, what, yeah, what's your question. what's your um, media I think of choice? I, I think I probably I, I think I probably watch. I mean, it depends on like your generation. Like I'm an old man, and so by old man standards, I probably watch more than the average bear. But like by teen mm. standards, um, I probably watch uh, less than the average bear. Uh, that's probably where I fall. Um, but uh, I want to okay. say, let me just say for the record, I don't know if I've ever said this on this podcast, but um, but I I respect and fear the teens. I do respect mm-hmm. and fear mm-hmm. the teens. The only my my one goal in life is to not get roasted by the teens because I don't know if I can <laughs> come back from that. Um, yeah, but, that's a good. Do, that's a good. Do you goal. think I wear the sneakers that I wear because they're comfortable? No, I do it so that I hopefully don't oh. get one of those. I don't want to get one of those. That's okay. uh, that's like my yeah. biggest fear. And I like telling my biggest fear to a huge audience. Anyway, let's bring this bad boy home here on the Rylacast. And Josie, last time, this is going to sound like I'm anti-work and like, let's have a conversation. <laughs> but like, I know last time on the podcast, I talked about uh, the uh, the power of not giving 100%, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, 85%. 85%. Well, now, Josie, I want to talk about... Um, taking breaks at work <laughs> i'm okay. listening okay so um here I'm, I'm i'm really into like work-life balance right now um and i want to talk a little bit about the amount of breaks that that you take at work um and there have been a number of studies that will tell you that if you are working on a project, if you're working at, at your job, if you're working in a, in a group, if you're working on one singular goal, that sitting there and doing nothing but do but working on that is going to lead to poorer outcomes. It's kind of like what we talked about last time about like if you give 100% all the time, you're going to get burnt out. That's just the way that it works. You need to dial it back. If you are, there have been multiple studies that have said that if you that if you go you know, if you do nothing but sit there and work, 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 in the end, that is going to be a worse product than what you would do if you were to take breaks. And so the 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 rule of thumb, the research would show that you need to take uh that well, there there's no like one kind of overall finding, but generally speaking, uh they say that uh, you need to take a short break, five to ten minutes or so every hour and then you need to take a longer break maybe like 30 minutes or so every two to four hours okay that's like as close to a consensus on the studies that you can find however i want to go a step further 
And I want to introduce you to something I read uh, from Nest Labs, N-E-S-S-L-A-B-S, Nest Labs. And they have an article about structured distraction. Okay. Structured okay. distraction. Because if you are, if you're taking a break, let's say you're at, you say you're working in an office, you're working in an office, you're taking a break every five, you know, a five minute break every hour as, as recommended by these multiple studies. Well, you don't just go and just stare out the window. You don't just go stand by the water cooler. There are to get the most out of your breaks at work. You need to vary the kind of things that you're doing specifically specifically they break it into five different categories okay you need to do so one type of break the movement break okay get up and move go for a walk around the building go 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 walk up the stairs um just just get up do some jumping jacks some short intense exercise um, I remember at one point we were doing a, um, I want to say we were at Rila Winter Summit and like it's in lieu of calisthenics, we did like, like it was like do 10 of 10 of something like, you know, whether it's pushups, whether it's jumping jacks, whether it's something like that. I find that to be particularly appealing and I like to do that at work, but I'll get up and I'll just like our building is relatively, it's a million degrees outside. So I don't do it right now, but like our building is relatively small. So I don't mind taking a lap. That takes me about five minutes. It's a good way to clear your brain. That's one. Okay. A mental break. Okay. That doesn't just mean like flipping on YouTube or watching something mindless or something like that. Although, hey, go for it. But maybe do like a breathing exercise. There are plenty of those. There's free ones all over the place. Do a breathing exercise or short meditation. Or you can just uh, let your mind wander. Did you know that scientists have proven that daydreaming has a positive impact on like your mental acuity? I did like, not know that. Daydreamers have uh, have have greater cognition. That is something that has been proven uh, according okay. to according to Science Magazine. And they wouldn't call it Science Magazine if it didn't have science in it. <laughs> Number three, a social break. So this would probably be going to the water cooler, talking to somebody, going and bothering somebody else, right? Going and, and just having a conversation or maybe even just like giving somebody a call or sending somebody a text or just being social to, to get that part of your brain fired up. So there's that. The fourth one is a nature break. Okay. If you're inside the whole time, go outside. Like vitamin D is a powerful thing. Uh, Go outside, find a way to, to get outside. Uh, You know, nature has a positive impact on your mental health. Uh, Find a dog and pet it. Just like pet a dog. Okay. Nature. Nature. Go pet a dog. Um, uh, did you know, this is another thing. Did you know that also according to Science Magazine, that research has shown that when you, that your, uh, that your uh, oxytoxin levels increase when you look into a pet's eyes. Okay. I oxytoxin okay. Is, is, is known as the cuddle drug because it, when two people are bonding emotionally, it's what gets released. And you okay. get that same thing if you look into a, into a, a pet's eyes. So find a dog and pet it. <laughs> find a dog and stare find into its eyes. Get it, get it, get it. Have a dog handy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> have a dog around. And finally, the last one is a creative break. Okay. Uh, listen okay. to music. Uh, draw, doodle, like write something. Um, if you can't leave your desk, I think I think if you can't leave your desk, that's a good way to to like disconnect for a minute. Is to just like get out and just mm. doodle or like draw something, draw a tree, draw like a stick figure, something like that. But that type of thing, or just pop on some music if you can. Um, so there you go. Uh, take more breaks at work. Okay, take more breaks in whatever you're doing. Okay. Five minutes every hour half an hour every two to four hours, right? And okay. vary it up. Don't just get up and walk and get another cup of coffee. Like do something different with your break. Let's practice structured distraction. That's my challenge for this week. Well, thanks, Craig. That's that's really great. And that I uh, I I work in an office um, several floors up in a, in a high rise. So I was feeling mm. called out by that because my breaks, yeah, mm, <laughs> look what I do. 
uh, my breaks every hour consist of me walking down the hall and using the restroom and then avoiding social situations with others in my office. Uh, Josie, you got which go. I'm really only doing one out of the five. So, okay. Uh, so, so you are on, uh, you're in, in a multiple, you're in a high rise building and there mm-hmm. are multiple floors. Are you like, are you, do you just not want to get in the elevator? Okay. So, and this is, this is, I, I, I need to go reread this article and have it speak to me because we're, we're still in a hybrid situation. So uh-huh. I'm in the office a couple days a week, home a couple other days a week. So my brain has been programmed to, if I'm in the office, I'm squeezing every minute I'm in the office working, mm-hmm. which is in direct violation of the article that you just shared no. with us. No. So if I serious. if I take the elevator and walk around outside, get some vitamin D, several dogs around downtown. Uh, there you go, dude. Find a dog. Make friends with a dog. I know. We're we're like a block or two away from Clyde Warren Park, which feels That's my like challenge to you. The next okay, I'm gonna write this down because we're doing the okay. next podcast in a couple of weeks. I think we're doing the next podcast on we're recording it on August 8th. So I just give everybody our production schedule. Um, I need you to tell me the name of a dog that you met at work. Oh uh, next man. Time, okay. Next time, next time that we, and I'll know if you're making it up. I'll know. <laughs> you will. You need to, you need to tell me about a dog that you met at work. Okay. Okay. The challenge for you. Okay. And, I, and everybody call I'm out gonna come clean. I'm going to come clean. A coworker listens to this podcast and she has a dog named Winnie. So nope, if I come back Winnie. in two weeks and the dog's Winnie, you know, I'm I've writing lied. That down. Right. I'm writing that down. Can't be Winnie. I'm putting, I'm, this is not fair to Winnie. Winnie, I'm sure you're wonderful, but I'm writing down <laughs> Winnie and then I'm circling it and crossing it out. <laughs> it can't be Winnie. Can't be Winnie. You need to go meet a new dog. Um, okay. 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 Uh, and that is going to do it for the Ryla cast. We do appreciate your time. Thanks again to Jason Jaggard and Becca Egger for being our guest. Uh, did you know, by the way, Josie, I was looking at this the other day. Do you know that nobody has, nobody has left us a review on iTunes since December 3rd, 2019. It's been a very long time. When this I'm is feeling down. I like to look at the reviews because they're positive. I'm, ca- I'm calling out our listeners. Okay. I'm calling out. This is a challenge for you listeners. You need to go leave a review. Somebody needs to leave a review. We cannot have the latest review of a podcast that we've been pretty diligent about doing for the last year or so. That is true. It's, we've been <laughs> really have good. It be four years old. Uh, so please go and leave a review on on your on the podcast vendor of your choice. Rate and subscribe and tell a friend. And here with an antiquated way to tell a friend about the Rylacast is Josie. Yes. Thank you, Greg. So in honor of me going to find man's best friend in the next two weeks, um, you know, those cool, like, um, I, I don't know what the correct term is. Becca's probably like punching her steering wheel, steering wheel right now, but it's like a, a long shot when you get the, I'm just going to, I'm going all, it's a, a photo, type of pho- photographic shot. Like a lens, it's like, like long a- exposure or whatever, and somebody's like taking a, um, like a glow stick and writing a letter, you oh, know, and then you take a picture. Yeah, it looks like, like the, the yeah, letter. Like the- you do the little design. In your in your defense, like- I don't know what that's called either. So she can call. She can yell at me too. It's very antiquated, right? Yes. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. So, uh, so go ahead and it's like and whenever you're taking nice a photo beach. and in the, in the, in like the 1850s and you had to sit still for 30 minutes. Exactly. Exactly. Go ahead and say, listen to the Rylacast in in successive pictures. And then as you're walking your dog, go ahead and paste that picture up on a nice street lamp. Okay. And that'll alert everyone to listen to the Rylacast. I like that a lot. Uh, Thanks, Josie. Uh, And uh, and thanks for listening. Josie, thanks for your courage. Thanks, Greg. Talk to you next time on the Rylacast. 